What up, what up, what up? What up, everybody? It's your girl, Marquita, but they like to call me Who Miss Hollywood. You're tuned into another episode of So Hollywood, the podcast. Hey, hey, is it me or is it hot in here? Hey, you could be anywhere in the world. Is it me or is it hot in here? But you're going to be here with me, baby. So Hollywood. So Hollywood. It's your girl, Marquita, but they like to call me who, Miss Hollywood. <laughs> You're tuned into yet another episode of So Hollywood, the podcast. So Hollywood, the podcast is a platform where everyone is treated equally, and I bring them together with this thing called entertainment. Um, as you guys know, and if you don't know, I like to do this thing called a recap. I had my 100th episode. Oh, my God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I made it, y'all. Mama, I made it. But not. <laughs> I made it to my 100th episode. And it's crazy how the world is because I had a thousand, I said a thousand, yeah, a thousand watts up here. He's a Portsmouth a VA representative. He's a, rap, a rapper. He's the creator of Zario Farms, in which is some good shit. If y'all are not following him, make sure you guys follow him now. Um, 1,000 watts, one zero 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 W A T T Z. Not with an S because y'all are too proper for me. Anyways, that was bars. <laughs> Anyways, uh, catch me on the latest episode of So Hollywood, the podcast here on Instagram or YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and if you want to be a guest, you can go to www.allofhollywood.biz and also you can DM me. Don't be scared. You know, I'm I'm looking for people to perform. I'm looking for product placement. I'm looking for all of the things that you guys are needing and wanting in your brand. Um, and without further ado, I'm gonna bring up my guest here shortly once my significant other gets everything put in place. But I want to give him his flowers while while we're doing this thing called entertainment. He is the creator of Canifest VA, the creator of BME Presents, Canna Connect, author of Don't Leave. We're going to get into that because I have to read that book. I haven't read the book yet, but I can only imagine. I hope you put me in the book because, you know, I was also a part. If you can, if you can, you know, remember, I was also a part because I was Chauncey Black's personal assistant at one point. And I think that's where we had come across one another with Dark Knight ENT, but we're going to get into that. He's a poor Smith representative and he's a multimedia entrepreneur. Producer. What in the world? My, my game is my, listen. Anyways, he's a multimedia entrepreneur, producer, and he is straight out of Portsmouth VA. We have VA Tony Brown. 
I like that intro. What's good, baby? Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for being a part of it. It's been a long time. A you long know, time. What's man. The it's, last time I saw you was at the BME Music Awards that we had for independent artists, and I don't even remember how many years ago that was. That was a long, when I say a long time ago, it's been a while. Uh, but you you actually gave me my opportunity to present awards to um, to just, just talented individuals, entertainers, people that, you, you know, were slept on, people that... Some people may have not have heard, you know, heard about, but you given that opportunity. I think it was at the Attics Theater, was it? Was it not at the? Yeah, at the uh, um, Thomas. I mean, the TCC Theater downtown Norfolk. Okay, okay. Shout out to them, and you just brought a lot of people together, and I have been wanting to be a part of something like that for the longest because I think Virginia as a whole hasn't had a lot of light shined on, and if it did, it was kind of dimmed after a certain amount of time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll get into that with this interview, but um, without further ado, yes, uh, the first question that I would like to start my interview with today is, how did this thing called entertainment enter your life? Well, um, growing up, just like you always, we, I think my, my first involvement in it was like being in bands, in high school oh. bands and um, middle middle school, high mm-hmm. school bands. Mm-hmm. You know, just putting on a show for people, whether it's a band recital or a marching band on the middle of the field marching. And, um, from there, I got into the actual music business part of it, actually through through sports. Being a football player, my team had won the championship. Okay. And it was just opportunity, like, being at the right place at the right time. But we won the championship, and we went out to celebrate that night. And uh, we were overseas in Italy. And, that, um, you had to do that like that to us. You was overseas? Get yeah, because I was in the Army. I'm, it's Veterans Day, so oh, I'm, I was shout in the out Army. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I, I served. I served six years, honorable discharge, one seventy fifth Ranger Battalion, two ninety eighth MP Company, thirteenth MP Company, special action team, all that kind of crazy stuff. Jumping. So out you of seen a lot. And, that's that's another story right there in yeah. itself. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but I was. I had an opportunity to play football over there, and I write about all this stuff in my book. But um, that championship game, we went out to to, to a nightclub to party, and they was playing all this techno Italian music. But then they put on the Sugar Hill game. <gasps> And you're like 20-year-old Tony Brown just won a football championship. I jumped up and grabbed the microphone from the DJ booth and started rapping along with the <laughs> song. Got a microphone in one hand, champagne bottle in the other hand, just won a football championship overseas, and I'm just rapping along with the song. Right. I get back to my table, and this book two white guy walks up, and he's like, hey, man, that was great, man. Hey, man, that was so groovy, man. You want to make a record? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to make a record. <laughs> right. He gave me his card, and, and you know, I followed up. I would call him. That was like on a Friday, Saturday. I right. called him that Monday, and he told me to come past his office. I made my way to his office, and he offered me a, a record contract and a check. It was like a $50,000 check and a, <gasps> and a contract. And he was like, I can't do business with you because you're a soldier. You're, an, you're American, and you're a soldier. You got to take this contract to your base and um, get your sergeant to approve it. Yeah, yeah. So I took the contract to my base, showed it to my sergeant. All he saw was a check. He's like, "Damn, Brown, <laughs> you gonna buy lunch for the whole squad, right?" He's like, "I can't read this. Take it to the lieutenant." Took it to the lieutenant. Lieutenant did the same thing. He's like, "Damn, Brown, look at this check. That's more than I make in a whole year." Wow. Right. So kept going up, and by the time I had to meet back with the guy, his name was Maximo Felipe. By the time I had to meet back with him. 
I had went to like four people and everybody was just interested in the check. In Nobody the check. even read the contract. So I just signed it, right? When I signed it and took it back, then dude gave me another check for another 50 grand. I hadn't even cashed the first one yet. So I wrote about all this in my book. Wow. So that's how I actually got into the business, just being in the right place at the right time around people who had paper that wanted to, they wanted to explore. Immediately. Look, this is what the bottom line is. I was overseas. I was a black dude overseas. Mm-hmm. They wanted to exploit my talent. They wanted. They saw I could rap. It was like, rap is big in the United that States. That sounds familiar. Let's grab this black guy and put some money behind him. But it was just one day. I mean, I was doing good. I got, like, contracts. I mean, I got, like, videos and was touring and was making a lot of money. What? I was making more money doing football and um, a week of football and, like, a week of doing <laughs> stuff with music than I was in a whole month of being in the Army. I used to pay people to take my duty so I could go. <laughs> Word up. I used to pay people to take my duty so I could go and do little shows and stuff. Right. And um, it, the day came when I was driving up to my studio, to the studio, and I was looking around, and I I, I had a new car. I had a um, Nissan, what was it, 300ZX. It was a 280ZX, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm driving up to the studio, and I'm looking around. Everybody else at the studio got Ferraris. He got a Lambo. He got Maserati. So I go in and ask the girl to play keyboards for me. I say, yo, how you afford your Maserati? She's like, I boarded up my royalties. When she said the word royalties, the dude Maximo that offered me the contract. Right. This motherfucker levitated. I, I could cuss, right? Right, yeah, of course, yeah, of but course. This motherfucker, <laughs> this motherfucker levitated across the room. And he's like, hey, Tony, Tony, don't worry about that. We gonna do, everything's groovy, man. Everything's cool. <laughs> I was like, no, what's this royalty shit she talking about? So nobody would tell me about royalties. So I was getting pissed, and I went to the um to the record company. I was a I was signed to CBS Records. I was signed to a company called Modern Music, who was an affiliate of CBS Records. So it was a major record deal, right? Mm-hmm. I, um, I went to the office and talked to one of the execs there, and I was like, yo, where the fuck is my royalties at? Dude was like, man, you calm down. Let me see your contract. He read my contract. He, he's like, man, you ain't you ain't this contract. You, you get, you got you got to make them ten albums. You got to deliver them ten albums before you get royalties from your first album. I was like, what? So I felt pimp. I felt fucked up because um, I was doing a photo session one time, and I and I'm not homophobic, but back then it wasn't as accepted as it is now. Right. And um, I had this this gay photographer. And he was like, open your shirt. Let me see a little sexy, sexy. He was trying to you know get me to do shit that I was uncomfortable with. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Word up. He was trying to get me to do shit that I was uncomfortable with, so I was like, I, I pumped the brakes on that real quick. Right. And, and 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 I stopped the guy who the guy who read the contract to me. His name was Chuck Rolando. Okay. And I connected with him because my middle name is Rolando. Right. So right. when I when I went into the record company lobby, I looked at the the director of all the names in the building, and I saw his name. So I went to his office. Right. He ain't had nothing to do with my project. He had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Just because y'all had a connection. Yeah, on the name. And he was from New York. Okay. Right? So, and both of us was overseas. So we connected. He read the contract for me. First time ever. I had already put out like three projects before I even had my contract read to me. I was making wow. money. So it wasn't even fucking with me to the point where, I, you know, I was getting money off of the shows. I was right. getting like small advances for the album. But, you know, Back then, videos used to cost a lot of money, right. and album promotion and stuff used to come out of the budget, so it used to cost a lot of money. Right. But I was making money, but they was taking a lot of money from me too. Right. So I wanted to learn 
the take the money game. Not the, I wanted to learn how to be the pimp, not the, how to get pimp. Right. So right. I sat in the office with Chuck and just worked for CBS Records for like like four years. Around what age and what year was that? Can you give a because I want to go through the timeline. This is, I'm I'm like twenty twenty something, and this is like the late eighties. Okay. The mid eighties, because by the late eighties, I'm back in the U.S. and I'm working with um Herbie Lovebug and Salt and Pepper. What? Okay, so once you once you got back to the states, mm-hmm. um, what was your career like? Because you have you're an author, you do production, and you do uh, a multitude of things. So when you got back to the states, what what was that transition like, and what were you into at that time? I wasn't ready to come back, first of all, because I got kicked out of Italy. I, when I got out of the Army, I just stayed over there. I was supposed to come back to the United States and out-process and get, you know, final paperwork and do all of this stuff at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I just skipped that whole part. I just stayed over there. I had an apartment over there already. I had two jobs over there, a professional football player and a rapper. So I wasn't worried about getting out of the Army. My last day of the Army, I just didn't show up no more. Right. <laughs> about six months later, my paperwork wasn't right, and I got pulled over for speed. And then they was like, "Yo, you're not even supposed to be in the country." And they gave me like 72 hours to get out. Came back to the United States, and I, I never made it back there. <laughs> <laughs> so did were you? So you're originally from here. So when you went, when you came back into the states, where did you go? Like, did you come I back came to home, Virginia? I came back to Portsmouth. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what yeah. was the what was that entertainment scene like when you came back to the state of Virginia or to Portsmouth, Virginia, so to speak? The entertainment scene when I came back to Portsmouth, it was um okay, it was it was nothing for real. It was it was no Pharrell out yet. It was okay. no Missy out yet. Okay. It was no Timberland out yet. Okay, it was no Teddy Riley hadn't even settled into Virginia yet. And um, when I came back. I tried to do some little um, production and open up a um, independent label, and this is like 1989. So I tried to open up an independent label called Backstreet Records. Yeah, because my little house was on the back street of one of the roads in Portsmouth, so I was like, we opened up in Backstreet Records, and um, I started working with like local artists as far as like in the studio. People mm-hmm. at the studio, people used to come to my house and and record beats and in the studio all, all night and then we shopped some stuff to um to um in in to a couple couple companies in new york and we got the attention of dj wiz from um herbie lovebug from um kid and play mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he pulled us in the artist i was working with was um troy mitchell john mitchell and gerald austin and henry Wynn. there was a group called three feet three feet i've never three feet so there was like the first group from Virginia to get a major record deal. We got a deal with London Polygram Records under Salt and Pepper. If you heard What a Man, I'm in the What a Man video, but if you heard Whoa, What a Man. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Which, wait, wait, tell me about that. Let, we're not going to skip. We're going to go back to that, but tell us about. So when we got, when, when, when we got the deal for, for Three Feet, we moved to New York to work in, in Queens with Herbie Azor. Okay. Herbie Lovebug. Okay. At the time, Herbie Lovebug was working on the Salt and Pepper album in the basement of his uh, mom's house in Queens. We all lived wow. in the house together in Queens and worked in that basement and um, worked on the Salt and Pepper album. 
So when you heard the weatherman, the yeah, 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 that's mm-hmm. actually the, the three dudes from Portsmouth, Three Feet. <gasps> they they had their own project out, but they was like featuring on Salt and Pepper. They were going on tour with them. They were doing a lot of stuff. So that wasn't Salt and Pepper saying, yeah. No, nah, that was Troy Mitchell and John <gasps> Mitchell from Portsmouth, Virginia. Shout out Cabin Park. Time. I thought it was a women. Shout out Churchland North. See, and this is why I was saying we need a documentary. We need something that goes under, like underground, because if I would have never known that that was those were men instead of actually salt and yeah, pepper. Yeah, and Vogue is on the song, and Salt and Pepper's on the song, and then Three Feet is on the song. Salt and Pepper and Three Feet were signed to both signed to Herbie Azor, and they were both signed to London Polygram Records. And Three Feet had a whole album finished. It's, it would have been a hip-hop classic. I have a copy of it. It's like, it would have been a hip-hop classic had it been released on time, had it been released on schedule back then. But the label executives were scared of real niggas. That's what, what it boiled down to. And P-Town took them real niggas shit. They took that real niggas shit to New York. And in New York, the label executives wasn't ready for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was right. like real niggas shit that they wasn't used to. They used to like... People coming in from New York on their on their own level. But, Y'all did the NWA yeah, type. It's just like be able to move on some different shit when right, we went up there. Course. We was hungry for it, right? Of course. And then I knew better. I had the I had the, the experience from overseas that I brought back to the United States. So I knew better. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So they had a good contract. They had you know, they had a good a situation. Right, of course. It's just that um the label executives couldn't deal with their personalities and ended up um dropping the project. And the whole project uh-huh. was recorded. Video was video was recorded. Do you still um, have the video? I wish I can't. I can't get my hands on the video. Oh shit! The oh, video shit. was for a song called "Musical Sister," um, and that was the that was the lead song off the off the project. But yeah, three so three feet was like the first rap group from Virginia that, I, from my knowledge and chronological historical right. facts, right, that actually signed a, a major label record deal, right. And was given contract budgets, everything. Went on SP Awards, David Letterman, Saturday Night Live. Um, everywhere Salt and Pepper was going, we were mirroring. We was like the, the you know how he had the um kid and play in Salt and Pepper? Yeah, yeah. So it was gonna be like the kid play Salt and Pepper in Three Feet. Right. You know, and Three Feet was like a a native tongue type group. They were they were dope. Right. They were dope group. Yeah. Wow! So that's See, that's pretty much where that's pretty much where that that scene came from. And then around the same time, um, I ain't gonna get into the to the specifics. You don't have of this, to, but yeah. But around that same time, I got arrested, so mm-hmm. I was on federal federal um, charges. Yeah, so federal charges, mm-hmm. and then I was and, and I found some loopholes. I got sentenced. Finally, got put into a halfway house. When I got to the halfway house. I found some loopholes that would allow me to get out if I had a job and I went to school. So I enrolled full-time at Norfolk State. Shout out to Norfolk State. We hope there you go. Yeah. And I got a job working for a cable company that, that um, is, is Cox Cable now, but it wasn't uh. called Cox at the time. It was called TCI. You worked for Cox, Yeah. I used to be a head-end technician working on satellites and shit for the cable company. So I used to always find a way to stay out of the halfway house. And one one of the things that I was doing at Norfolk State, I was doing a lot of interns. Mm-hmm. And I finally got out the halfway house, so I was able to do, like, nice internships. Right. I did an internship. Shout out to Dr. Wanda Brockerton. She was very proactive in, in helping me achieve Mass these. Com. 
speed, yeah. Mm -hmm. She was very proactive in helping me achieve these internships. But my first one was 40 Acres and a Mule, Spike Lee. Oh, your yeah. first in wait coming out the gate. Your first internship, my junior year, yeah, was forty eight. Forty eight, cause in the mule, and they were working on the Malcolm X movie at the time, and I was in the wardrobe department, so it wasn't nothing big, you know what I'm saying? But my my job was like continuity. So when the actors came off the set, we had Polaroid cameras. I had to take a picture of them with the with the costume they had on, yeah, and then pin the picture on the board, and the next day when they come back. Make they sure that they were dressed the same, the same way as the. <gasps> so it was it was nothing like it was just like and then and then take a lot of clothes to the cleaners right, <laughs> and right, run a lot right, of errands right. and shit. Right. So and and then um it was it was a good experience. But my my second internship my my senior year was with Teddy Riley and okay, Future Recording Studio because he had just it. got to Virginia the next the year before then. Was this before Rump Shaker? Or this, this was... was the year of Rump Shaker. I, I actually set in on the Rump Shaker auditions. Oh, shit. Tell me about it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> you said tell me about it? Wait a minute. So you were physically a part of that whole, from the beginning to the to what we see now process of Rump Shaker. And, and, and still more, and to continue it, so to speak. Yeah, so when they, when that, like my, I think it was like my third week interning for him is when they started the auditions for the Rump Shaker video. And the office that I was in, the office that he had me working out of, right. um, is where they had the auditions of that. So I was driving into the <laughs> office one day like, damn, there's a line of girls like a half a mile long, like doubled up trying to get into the audition. Just And I was I was like, this is going to be a good day. We sat in the back <laughs> Of the office. <laughs> I'm trying to have some popcorn there. Right. Oh, you got popcorn right there. You got some. Shout out to Popcorn World for sponsoring this episode. Yes, sir, Ski. Over 480 flavors, but keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's when that's that's around the time I started the Rump Shaker right. video. Right. Yeah. And that, that was before Black Street. That was like Black Street was getting formulated then. So it was it was um it was a good time. And when I graduated from Norfolk State I had Two job off. Well, I had a job offer from Forty Acres. Okay. But then Teddy was like, "I'll better their offer if you stay here and work for me." So I, I took him up on his offer and stayed there. He put me in charge of A and R, artists and repertoire. But you hadn't been you. So you you came from costume taking pictures of costumes to being to becoming an A and R for a whole. Now I came from being an artist. And, I'm sorry. And I'm having sorry. Yes. A, having a group manage with, mm -hmm. with Herbie. So that costume thing that. Like I said, going to college at the time, that was just a way to get out of get out the of halfway get out of the halfway house. Gunstill, I didn't want to be blocked understood. up in the halfway house all day. Understood. Right? But when I got into it, I got into it. You know right. what I'm saying? Once right. I got into it, I started liking it. Right. And I got serious about when, by the time I got released from the halfway house, I could have very well said, Fuck college, I'm free now. But right. I, I continue to pursue it. I didn't even right. have books at Norfolk State until my junior year. I didn't take that shit serious. But I got, I got good I got good grades. Right, 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 right. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. I graduated in four years. I never failed any any classes. But it was just like you did the what struggle you had of, to do yeah. to get and I had kids, I had a family, I had a whole bunch of shit going on. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And I was taken away from them, incarcerated. And between um see I could talk about it now. Yes, yes, you can. But um I used to have a car. So I used to park my car about four blocks away from the halfway house because people used to always watch you and make sure you get on the bus. Right. You wouldn't allow to have a vehicle. So I'd get on the bus and take the bus about four blocks away, jump out 
and get my car at the Farm Fresh parking lot <laughs> and then drive all day. And that would give me a lot of time to like stop passing and see my kids. Because it take you forever to get from point A to point B on a bus. In that same amount of time, I could go to the mall. I could go past my kid's house right, and right, then right, still right. get to where I'm supposed to be at. At a you know certain time, saying? at the designated time right. it needed to be. Right, right, right. right. So, wow. It was just working the system. Well, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah, it, I took Teddy up on his offer and he put me in, in charge of um, A&R Artists and Repertoire. Okay, okay. And you know um, what that consists of when you're working for a record label is like you find the material for the artist that the label already has and you're finding artists for the label, right? So when okay. I went in, he had two locations. He had the um, the 4338 Virginia Beach Boulevard location, and okay. he had a location at um, 349 Southport Circle. And my office is at Southport Circle. He had a back room that was like a, a storage room. Right. And he's like, all right, the tapes are back there. You can go back there and sort through those tapes. It was like a big TV <laughs> box. You know those old school TVs, the yeah. big floor models? Yes, the it big was a back. box. Yeah. Like this, you could put a body in this box. Oh, shit. Full of cassette tapes. Won't even know DVD. I mean, CDs wasn't even out back then. Wow. It was just a bunch of cassette tapes in this box, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going through all these boxes, cassette tapes. I'm finding tapes by Timberland. I'm finding tapes by. Hey, this is funny because um, the year that, my junior year, when they was first building the studio, I stopped past there with D'Angelo and Troy from Three Feet, and we dropped off demos from them. And between the, between that time of me working there, right. and the time of me going back, I me mean, dropping the demos off and going back to work there, I found the tapes that we dropped off in the box. <laughs> I was like, you know what, listen to this shit. They just put it in the box. <laughs> D'Angelo got a deal now. Troy and them had a deal. Everybody got deals now. Nobody even listened to this shit. Facts. So I'm going through the box and I'm pulling out like things that I feel like, uh, um, and I'm using like my musical training. Right. And I'm pulling out things that I feel like are sonically correct and 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 may have a shot and stuff that's just whack or crazy sounding. Yeah. I'm writing rejection letters and sending people their, their, their tapes back. So you were the one that killed people's dreams, not just like. <laughs> I made them. Uh, I made them um, strive, strive, strive more. Hard. Okay, understood. Strive understood. understood. And the rejection letters were polite. You know okay. What, I'm <laughs> what the polite rejection? How can you give us an example, please? In 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 the voice that you out would the careful, call them. After careful, after careful consideration of your material, we decided that this is not what we're looking for at the time. Ooh. Please continue to submit. It wasn't harsh. <laughs> it was just like, take this shit, man. What the fuck you send us to? What you send right. this? You send us this? Like, it wasn't like that. It was. <laughs> in your head, it was. In my head, it was. It respectfully, was, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but looking back, y'all, like, I, looking back, I was so compelled to write the book. Like, my big brother, I met there. His name is Tony Watts, Sifu Tony Watts. Sifu is a um, Chinese word for teacher. Okay. And he's a martial arts in t- a martial arts instructor. He's a martial arts master. Like I see him do incredible things, and I trained with him. And um, we used to we used to teach like the kids in the neighborhood, and teach like people growing up. You know, teach you know in the you know just anybody who want who's willing to learn. Right. And in some of those early sessions with us training, Pharrell, Chad, and Mike Etheridge used to come through. And we used and to teach them. And this was before he yeah, was. This, they, were, they were in a group called the Neptunes. Yeah. All, all three of them together were in a group called the Neptunes. 
Yes. And, um. So that was around what year? Because hmm. I, I moved here in 01, and that was the time when Pusha T and the, oh, no, you know, we everybody. Even, we, even, we, even, we, we didn't even, even hit 01 yet? No, we didn't yes. hit 01 yet. Damn, I graduated in ninety. I graduated from Norfolk State in ninety three. Mm. Looking at ninety three, mm. like that right mm. now. Mm. Okay. God, that, oh, yeah. That was that was way before then. So, so after, so you became the um, manager for Future Recording Studio, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And so he he instilled that in you after you became the A and R, correct? Yeah, doing doing A and R was cool because it was just like finding all the projects. And then what I I used to do is like after I found the projects, the artists that we wanted to review, mm-hmm. I would I would host like a um like a showcase for them to come in. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And the showcase grew from being just a little group of artists in Teddy Studios sitting on the floor. I got a picture that I published in my book that um one of the artists performing, and you can see. Timberland for real, young Timberland, wow. young for real, young Chad Hugo and young Mike Etheridge sitting on the floor watching the artists perform in Teddy Studio. So it went from those small um, performances Internet in the studio. Mm-hmm. The next year we did it at the high school at um, Princess Anne High School. Okay, I know exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. The year after that we did it at the Virginia Beach Convention Center. And it kept growing, kept growing and growing and growing. The convention center is where now you hold your Canafest. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that? That's a whole nother story as yeah. well. We're going to get into that here shortly. But um, but as far as like playing the management role, what did you see thereafter? Like what was your transition after becoming that manager and running the studio for, what, eight years, so to speak? Yeah, so so like after the A&R spill it was pretty much we had signed who we was gonna have to sign who who we had who we was gonna work with we had queen pen we had another wait. butter wait 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 if a party in a party then it's... yeah i need are you kidding me yeah yeah serious we had queen pen another butter rex and effects um black street and then um omar chandler um and Couple other the pirates, we had artists that we were going intend to work with, so right, we we kind of right. put the A and R on the back burner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Teddy needed somebody to like control what was going on at the studio. It was a management position. I was a college graduate. I had record company experience for a major label. You know what I'm saying? So it was right. a, it was a serious position, but more so than that, it was a position like this dude from Army. He got Army background. I got a studio full of wild ass dudes. I want to get him in here to, to, to oversee right. shit and make okay. sure it's up straight. Outside and that's pretty much being... what I was. I was like a mediator between the 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 New York crew, the New York people, mm-hmm. and the Atlanta people, the Georgia people. Mm-hmm. They used to always go at each other. And I, was... <laughs> I can only I can only imagine because yeah. that was a whole thing in itself. One day, you know. You, the, the north and the west and the all those was going back and forth, but um, <clears throat> so that's another reason why you also started your BME presents in the in the Atlanta Georgia area because you had you know you've been dealing with Georgia since you can remember or since I can remember, but that came later. Yeah, that Correct. came a lot later. Okay, but. so let's go through the timeline with um after becoming the manager and then once you became the manager of future recording studios what did you do 
to pursue your brand that you have today because you have some other things you you're currently working on. So what I guess, so to speak, what influence did that have to where you are today? That was just a job for real. That okay. was just a, that, that, that didn't have any, any influence on what I'm doing today. Actually okay. breaking free of that and, and, and um, getting out of that, that situation mm-hmm. was, was a very liberating thing. You know what I'm saying? It was it, it was, was like a weight was, lifted off. Hell so to speak. yeah! It was like good to be in a, in that lifestyle because you because I'm around. Like at the time, Teddy was the most sought out the producer in the world. So we got Michael Jackson in the studio. We got in Whit- Virginia. Yeah, in Virginia. She. We got we got Whitney Houston. I'm gonna tell you, man. I I wrote a story about Michael Jackson in my book, but we got Whitney Houston. We got all these people in the studio. New kids on the block. Everybody you can name is coming to Virginia to record, right? <laughs> Because the because the, the he was here and his studio was here, so if you wanted to get his sound, you had, had to come to here, to right? Had to. Y'all hear that? Do y'all hear that? Say that one more time. He Say to, that. He, he located here. He had to have the sound at the time. So if you wanted his sound, you had to come here. He wouldn't do. He wouldn't go to you and come. Only person he would go out to is Michael Jackson. He would. He, would, he went to Michael Jackson whenever Michael called, but. Everybody else came here. Even at times, Michael came here. Michael came here so and stayed here so long. He bought a house, bought a townhouse in Virginia Beach, because somebody <laughs> somebody tried to tip the media off and tell him what hotel, what hotel he was staying in. Shout out Albert Charles. Get past that. Like we have legendary people that have come through, and 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 people that have have used. Virginia in songs, people that have come out of Virginia. Jay-Z, so, LL Cool J, um, uh, Goody Mob. Uh, oh, Dirty uh, Bastard, that's my boy. And did you know Mr. Servon, he was here? He served seven years in Virginia and uh, he's a veteran here. He used to be in the Army here, station. I don't know him I personally. Lo- he was definitely here. Mr. Sir- you, no Limit Records, Master P, Mr. Servon. I, I, <laughs> like, but he, hey, he I'm gonna tell you because when No Limit was doing their thing, I was mm-hmm. trying to do something similar on my own, so I wasn't oh, paying attention to what they was okay, doing. Okay, understood, yeah. understood. I get it. I definitely get it. So, with that also being said, um, what was it like once you got that weight off your shoulders and being able to really focus on VA Tony Brown? Um. It was great because I immediately started my own label. Which was, or Felony which Records, is? Felony Records and, and Sounds of Virginia, SOVA Records. Okay. But it, it later evolved into re- Silver when I brought somebody else in, but it, initially it was Felony Records. Okay. And um, I had this attorney that I was working with, um, Louise West. She had helped Jay-Z start Rockefeller. She helped, she was She's Missy's attorney. Um, Timberland's attorney. She helped all of them, you know, get their foot in. So she was willing. She invested one hundred fifty thousand dollars into my personal venture with, with Felony Records. Okay. And I went and got one of the guys from Three Feet, the producer from Three Feet, Troy Mitchell, Jason Alias, and between between the time I went and got him and the time Three Feet got dropped, um, Troy had been working with Timberland. So he he had been in the Timberland camp back and forth in the Timberland camp, but and he's on he was on all three of Timberland's albums. He has a track on all three of Timberland's albums. Now, where was Timberland at that at this moment? Can you describe like what version of Timberland 
you had at that moment? This was the up and coming Timberland. Like um, Timberland never never came through Teddy's camp. Okay. And that was probably a blessing on his behalf because he 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 didn't stall out. A lot of producers, great producers that have Timberland's talent and skill, came through Teddy's camp, and for whatever reason they stalled out. And and Timberland didn't come through Teddy's camp, nor did Missy, and mm. they didn't stall out. Uh, it's a phenomenon with 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 Pharrell is that Teddy never wanted him around, and you know every time every time Pharrell used to come to the door trying to check in or come to the studio or whatever. Teddy was like, tell him I'm here. Tell him I'm here. We see him on the camera. Tell him I'm here. <laughs> right, 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 right. with the little silver bubble goose coming up to the studio again. <laughs> tell him I'm here. Tell him I'm here. So I was like, damn. I don't want to fuck with this dude. Like, right. I, I sent him his tape. His, you know, right. So they, they got cool with um, Tammy Lucas. And then Tammy Tammy kind of slipped him in with her. Right. You know what okay. I'm saying? So the they eventually got under in. The, under, his, under her yeah, wing, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And they eventually got, got it in that way. But, you know, um... They didn't have a they didn't have a they didn't have a um chummy relationship mm-hmm. in the, initially because um Pharrell probably recognized the fuckery early uh, and he was able to escape. You know what right, I'm saying? So right. it was liberating to get out. I made eighty grand my first year on my first wow. project coming out of coming out of future. And that was more than I would make as a as a as a um anything you would probably as an employee doing. there. Right, 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 yeah, right, right, so. right. Wow. And so with that being said, did um you did what, and what that's why I said first? I was doing my own thing with okay. Master P because I I okay. had felony records and we had projects out. We had a um, group called Armed Forces, and we had a um, Armed Forces was like a, a like a like a, a our own Wu Tang. We had gotcha. like everybody together was Armed Forces, mm-hmm. but the different members of Armed Forces were individual artists. So we had that kind of scenario going on, and um, yeah. So that was that was probably now now we're probably around ninety. You ain't even broke to God. Listen, listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a lot. Go, the lot that goes on. You, you ain't even hit two thousand yet. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm probably <laughs> listen. Yeah, in two thousands, in the two thousands, I was. I would have I never just, known any of this information had you not come here today and and explain this because this knowledge is 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 just phenomenal to me because it's just you. I've. As a person, I would have never known. Just looking at you, I would have never known. But knowing that I've had some experiences experiences with you on the entertainment side, now it's just like, dang, it's starting to add up in all actuality. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't flaunt stuff, of and course. I never burn bridges. So, like all, the, I just ran into Frail Frail recently at a at a um, Democratic convention in Norfolk, right. and I was waiting for the elevator. And him and his bodyguards walked up behind me. I pulled my mask down so you could see who it was. Right. And we had like a little nice quaint conversation, but it wasn't, I don't ask to take pictures with nobody. Of course. You know, I, I let people be who they are. The only person I, that I asked to take a picture with the whole time I was at Future was Michael Jackson right. and Tom Jones. And mm. I, I asked to take a picture with Tom Jones because my grandma was a Tom Jones fan. Right. So, But everybody else that came through, I never wanted, like, let's take a picture. Plus, we didn't have like selfies and Cameras back then where you could take pictures and shit like you can now. So right. it was just like you had to have a full a po- you had to have a real camera on hand. And right, it was just right. like un un when they came into the studio you wanted them to be as much comfortable. As, yeah, as and, much as home as possible. Right. 
Right, because you don't want to be that person. Like, oh, can I have a picture right before right. they go into a right. session, and then that right. whole mood be different. Right. I used you know? to try to avoid people. Like, um, the story that I tell in my book is about taking Michael Jackson to Walmart. Wait, in Virginia? Wait, in Virgi- in in Virginia? Yeah, in Virginia Beach, the Virginia Beach Walmart on Lynn Haven. <laughs> <laughs> well, at like three o'clock in the morning, um, it was a whole like a whole series of, of crazy events. But I was in it, I was vacuuming, cleaning up the studio, uh-huh. and um. We had this one big room. It had, like, a pool table in it, and the whole wall was a mirror. It was like a rehearsal room. I went in the back in the rehearsal room, and he was in there dancing in the mirror. He saw me He saw, he saw me through the reflection. Exclusive <coughs> access. Excuse me. He saw me through the reflection, and he said, turn around, and he said, Hey, Tony, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and wondered if it's really you on the other side? And then he turned back around, and he started dancing again. You know, like, that, that Michael Jackson neck move where he looked like you're trying to fake yourself out. And I was like, nah, Mike, I ain't never did that before. And I just eased myself out the room and let him stay in there dancing. So I go back to my office. About a half hour later, he comes back in the office door. I want to go to Walmart. I was like, what? I want to go to Walmart. I was like, let me call the security. No, we don't need security. I was like, let me wake Teddy up. No, we don't wake him up. He needs his sleep. I was like, Mike, we cannot go to Walmart, just me and you. Yes, we can. It'll be okay. It's late. Nobody's there. I put this disguise on. I was like, all right. I was like, all right, you got to do what Michael Jackson tell you to do. So I was like, I'm not going to drive the studio van because it got future all on the side of it. So we're just going to go in my car. He's like, okay. I had a nice little Mercedes at the time, thank God. But thank God. <laughs> get in the, in the car with him. We drive to Walmart. I'm paranoid the whole time. Like I'm like, if somebody notices this, this it's is him, it's a, I'm gonna be. It's in, I'm gonna. But luckily, and and you know what his disguise was? He put on a baseball cap and pulled his collar up. I was like, that's your disguise. Come on, man. He's like, come on, you'll be okay. And we went went for a ride to Walmart. And the the the, the funny thing that happened was when we were checking out, the girl noticed him, <laughs> and he told me to give her number to the studio. Where he was working at. So I gave him my card, studio information up there. Next day, we're in the studio. Everybody's in the A room, the main recording studio. And we're listening to his music, going over one of the, the tracks. I'm sitting there. Mm-hmm. The doorbell rings. And we had to kind of like a ring doorbell thing. Even back then, when, when you ring the doorbell, the camera pops up. Right. And the picture pops right. up on the TV. Right. So the doorbell rings and the girl picture pops up on the TV. <laughs> and everybody's like, who is that? Who is that? <laughs> and then Michael just Michael said, She's here for me. And everybody said this like so I'm on the other side of the room and I say, he met her last night at Walmart. Then everybody just head just switched the other way. It's like <laughs> it's the funny shit. It was like, what? You met her at Walmart. Walmart. Yeah, but yeah, it was a cashier from Walmart that came to the studio to see Michael Jackson one night. Oh. So that's a that's a that's a Hollywood exclusive. Exclusive. Unless, if access. you haven't read the book. It's in the book, okay. but it's a podcast exclusive. I I, yeah. Exclusive access. Listen, listen, y'all don't understand. That was the most amazing story. And y'all think Virginia ain't got shit going. We got shit going. I'm not even from Virginia. I'm still rubbing. And that story right there just took the cake. Listen, 
if y'all can't do better next time with the, the with the exclusive access, y'all can't be a part of these interviews. If y'all can't get better than this story right here, Michael Jackson, that ain't fair. Walmart, that ain't fair. <laughs> that is not fair. Why is that not fair? That's not fair. Why? Cause, cause Tell me. Everybody don't have access to that man, and everybody <laughs> ne- and, and or people of his caliber. So that's not fair. It's like you got something that's fascinating to one person may be right. mundane to the God next person. Damn, you're yeah, right. So. Okay, he saved you. Tony saved you guys. God damn it. Okay, that was exclusive def- access. That took the cake. That just if I had a one of those sound bites, I would play it right now. So let's get. <laughs> Oh what sound oh. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so yeah, you just took the cake with that interview part. Um we are 45 minutes in and Whoa. we are we haven't even done 2000 yet, y'all. We haven't even hit 2000. 45% here 45 minutes talking yeah, already. Listen, when you on this show or it's not even a show. This is a therapy session. And that's what I like to do with the culture and this thing called entertainment. Because if it wasn't for people like yourself and others that have contributed to this thing called entertainment, we wouldn't know these stories. And so, you know. Okay, I, well, there's some great stories in my book. I'm going to encourage you all to go on Amazon. I have to get it. I go do. Go on Amazon I'm, and look up Don't Leave. Don't Leave. Eight years of working with Teddy Riley, Black Street. And future recording studios. Aside from the Michael Jackson story, you got stories in there about Jay Z, Old Dirty Bastard, Talk that shit. Talk Whitney that Houston, Heaven uh, Bill. It's a story in there about how Ron Isley turned into the real Mr. Biggs and tried to lean on Teddy. So get the book, yo. Don't leave eight years of working with Teddy Riley, Black Street, and Future Recording Studios on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Yes. So um, let's also move forward to our 2000s and what we're currently working on. Yeah, because we're gonna because we're gonna have to come back to another episode. Stay tuned for part two of you know this podcast episode because I know you have so much more and I want to know so much more and I'm sure. Our friends, because after we've done this interview, we've become even more closer. You understand me? So, um, so let's get into our current years of what, um, what you have going on. Because I know we mentioned your book. You have Canifest. Uh, you also have BME Presents. So, get in. Just touch a little bit on each one of those and how you got into them, and which one was the first one. Okay, BME Presents um, was a project that I was very reluctant to participate in. But shout out to my man, Michael um, Pugh, a.k.a. late, great Master Blaster, rest in peace. He encouraged me to come aboard. And then when my homeboy, Sprague Williams, Sprague Doogie, who was working with me at Future Recording Studios, Sprague was one of the techs and one of the producers who was working with me at Future Recording Studios. Sprague kind of was like, yo, come on, we're trying to build this new thing up. We're trying to do this new thing. We need you on board. We need you. So Sprague pulled me in, you know. If yeah. Sprague was down with it, I was down with it. Shout out to and, um, and initially, BME started out as a record label, Battle Music Entertainment record label. I had a bunch of artists signed to him. And um, he was trying to promote the artists in a Motown fashion where um, he groomed them. Mm. Um, um, they practiced a lot. 
Right. And then he would take them on tours and stuff. Kind of right. like A&R, road manager, like what to look for. Like to. a Barry Gordy type thing he yeah. was doing with them, okay. right? Like yeah. like, like how Barry Gordy had the Supremes and the, and the Temptations and then Marvin Gaye and then yeah. this one and that one. We had Ant-Man and Nina Lee and the Guap Squad yeah. and all these different artists. So we had a conglomeration. And before he took them out, he wanted to make sure that they were prepared. So they practiced a lot. And um, we did a lot of shows with them. A lot of radio stuff. We I I I worked it like as much like a real label mm-hmm. as I could. Yeah. On a scant independent label budget, right? So we we had to do a lot of things that real labels had a lot of money for. We had to do it on a scant budget, right? But it was it was still the more, It was still generous budget right. because the artists got weekly stipends, and even our artist that we have signed now, Rob J, he's he's good. So. Um, so it started as a, as a as a record label, but in order to get the artists more noticed, we we actually bought a whole rec, a rec, a radio station in North Carolina that wow. didn't work out. And then from the radio station, we had the opportunity to buy a time slot on a TV show okay. on TV network okay. and do a thirty minute show. Yep. So we're That's like ten years in deep with with BME present. We're like ah. ten seasons. I left I left doing like season four and five. Because of some some differences, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, season four and five I left, but we like ten years in with the with the TV show, and we used to have a lot of beautiful women hosting and a lot of um, eye candy hosting. Yeah, but um, I ended up I've I've been hosting it <laughs> myself <laughs> for like the last you had to put the face years. on, yeah. I've been hosting it myself for like the last four years because it take y'all women too long to get ready. Y'all Listen, have too many issues. Y'all want to get ready on time. It's y'all not take... y'all. Some women. You know, you just, Whew. it's just, sometimes anyway, you have to be prepared yeah. for it. You know, if, you, if you're if you going to do a certain position, you have to, and, and even request it when it happens. Like say, hey, I have to have this certain amount of time. So give me, you know, at least Give them a timeline of what you need prior to. Yeah, but in journalism, you can't always have a timeline if it's a hot time. something happening yeah. right now. That's and true. I, and that is you, absolutely you gotta true. You got to go. You can't. That, and it's unexpected. You got to be able to move on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. I, but, um, I, did, I get it. I definitely we, get we, it. We try to offer, like, independent artists, journalists, business owners, an opportunity to showcase their talents and their and their skills on a TV show. And and um, a lot of people forego the um, the value of TV, television still, real television. Yeah. People people are like I'm on the internet. I got a hundred thousand views on the internet. But having a hundred thousand views on the internet really don't equate to the millions of people that see you on TV. Right. And and then when it's in reruns and a lot of people watch the show, and and um, it's amazing how many people that have come up to me in public that that um recognize me from the show and just have nice things to say, like, uh, or especially the people that just got out of jail, like, man, I, I appreciate you putting mm. the show on TV, man. I did my bid. We look forward to BME present all the time. So I really appreciate the people that were, that were incarcerated to come out and, and watch the show, or come out and, and talk to me about the show. It's, in, it's playing in these, you know, jails and, and prisons. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow, see that, see? And a lot of, and a lot of other... um. Uh, like I guess outlets like this don't reach that side, and so that's something that you're also tapping into that a lot of people don't necessarily tap into. Because I still I love it, like I love the quality because it's just 
organic it's real it's having a conversation just like you and i are having a conversation but it's it's just videotaped right you know what i mean right. and then so it just it gives it so much more light when you can share it with other people right and that's amazing and then i it was what was cool is that i was actually invited by um by one of the pen, by one of the prisons to come and talk to a group of con- convicts that was there group of inmates that was there and um i'm thinking i'm going to talk to like about 12 a group of like 12 <gasps> inmates or right. whatever but i but i check in go through they told me i couldn't wear denim couldn't wear jeans because right, right, that's right, what right. the inmates wear uh-huh. When I check in and go through, I'm in the cafeteria, and it's like 300 people come in there. Shit. Yeah. And you were expecting just like I was a, expecting oh. like a dozen. I was expecting like 12 wow. people. Wow. But it was like 300 people came it in there. It exceeded your expectations. exceeded my expectations, but not only that, they put on a talent show for me. So I, I got what? to talk to them about, you know, they. I, I talked to them because, I, like, I connect with them. I was a convicted fella. Right. Right. And now I'm now right. I'm on the economic development commission for the city of Portsmouth. So mm. you you don't have to you don't have to adhere to a label. Understand? You don't have to stick to the label. The label has to stick to you. So, Once you know your value and your worth, right. you'll be able to see the bigger picture because right. not a lot of people can see that bigger picture yet. Right. So I, I encourage a lot of them. Once you. Like they come home and tell me, oh, I used to watch you in there. Don't don't ever watch me in there again, though. Okay, right. just stay home and watch me. Right. At home. Come on the <laughs> come show. See come see me in person. I'll like, have you on the show yeah. if you want to be on the Facts. show. Come pass and kick it with me, but <laughs> don't watch me from that <laughs> point of view anymore. Mm-hmm. Make it a point in your life not to do your that. Your first and your last. Yeah. Yes. Damn. And that's, and that's no. And so BME presents came first, mm-hmm. and then what came? After BME presents, were you so BME presents? Mm-hmm. Man, when I always had my own little side thing because I do a lot of computer programming. Okay. I, I made the first Wu Tang website, what? the first Wu Tang Clan website. But that's back. But going <laughs> full, so I always had my own side hustle as doing like computer programming. My company's mm-hmm. called Assertive Multimedia. Okay, and um, so BME presents is like actually a. The BME presents things actually like a client of of my my company. Okay. And producing and, and directing the show form is like a um. It's just been like a baby project of mine now that right. I've been nursing for for a while. But we're looking like this upcoming season we're gonna do some some changes and do some format changes and it's gonna be we're gonna keep it we're gonna keep it street and we're gonna keep it like like it is. Right. But it's just gonna be a little polished, a little more polished on it. And it's at the same time. Midnight on WSKY Channel 4. Okay. And every that's... Saturday night, every Saturday night at 12 a.m. or Sunday morning, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. at, um, on w, WSKY TV 4. And give them, like, if they want to come up, be a part of it, it, do you have any of the information that you can give them um, mm-hmm. about it? Right. You could be on the show. If you're an artist and you got a music video, I, I kind of, kind of, like, discourage just playing music videos on the show. I play music videos on the show from major label artists because I get paid for that. Facts. But with local artists, I would like to show your uniqueness. So when you come on the show, I like to get I like to get the local artists or the independent artists, I like to call them, um, a, a chance to do an in-studio performance that's unique only uh, to BME okay. Presents. So it's like, if you want to see them, because I could go on a video, I could go on YouTube and watch your video anytime. Facts. But I like to bring you on a TV show, sit you down, do like a little three-minute interview with you, and then 
do a live performance. And any of the artists that been there know I show love. So they know mm-hmm. how to reach out. It's BMEpresents.com, www.bmepresents.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. BME Presents. And y'all had like one of the best um, award shows, group. <clears throat> And which we'll talk about later as well, because that was really giving back to the artists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move forward with the cannabis. When did like cannabis? Did, so let's talk a little bit about how how cannabis came into your life, and then how you created cannabis. Ba. Okay, I started smoking weed when I was thirteen. <laughs> I am. Yeah, <laughs> and I smoke weed at least every year of my life since I'm thirteen. I'm fifty six now. So. For a long time. Mm-hmm. So you understand the ins and outs. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And fortunately, thank God, I don't have any kind of health issues or no kind of like. Of course. No diabetes, high blood pressure, <clears throat> none of that kind of stuff. None right. of health issues. And I don't attribute it to, to um, marijuana. And that's why I said thank God. Right. <laughs> I right. attributed that, that to God. But um, Canifest came about as a, as a, as a, uh, a secondary idea to something that I was planning on doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote this book called Don't Leave, the book that I'm telling you to go on Amazon and get if you right. want to find out more about these great stories you're talking about. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote Don't Leave, and um, the book did better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote the book, I was encouraged to write the book over the COVID period. My, my, my big brother, I was getting to the point earlier, Seafood Watts, mm-hmm. He um he's always telling me, man, I'm gonna write a book called Confessions of a Body God. I'm working on a book. I'm writing a book. I'm like, seafood, man, you've been writing that book longer than they've been writing the Bible. So ain't gonna take nobody that long to write a book. So I was like, sit down. I was like, let me let me show him. Right. 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 So I sat down and I outlined everything, outlined my thoughts, and before I knew, it, I had like hundreds of thousands of words wow. on the on the paper, and I had to go back and format everything, put it in chapter forms, and and like clean it up and polish mm-hmm. my ideas and thoughts, make sure I wasn't, you know, um, being heartless toward anybody or ruthless right. toward anybody or divulging any personal information. You want it straight down the middle. Right, right. right, right. It, you know, <clears throat> burn no bridges, but right. tell the truth. Right. And um, I got the book done, and I, I had a publishing offer that was going to give me um, the same the same lawyer that helped me back in the day with the record label, Louise West. She helped me um, with a publishing contract, publishing offer. Uh-huh. They were going to give me $10,000 up front to publish it, but they were going to take 90% of every hard copy book and 70% of every e-book that sold. I was like, wow, that's getting tempted again. Right, right. We're not about to do that. I found a... Self-publishers, direct publishing method through Kindle, where it allowed me to get seventy um, percent of every hard copy book, and and um, excuse me, seventy percent of every hard copy book and ninety percent of every e-book that sold. Okay. So it kind of like flipped it. So the money was in your money favor. was in my favor, but the mm-hmm. effort that the big companies give you when they sign you, right. you just got to take that incentive and do it yourself. All right. your marketing that they would do, you got to take that incentive and do it yourself. Which I did a lot of, and I, I went. I was looking in my bank account one day to to get a routing number to to do something else with. Mm-hmm. And I logged in. It was early in the morning. I was logging on to get this routing number, and I looked at my balance. I was like, "Man, it was like fifteen thousand. I was like, "Where did that money come from?" So I'm looking at it. I'm looking, and it's like KDP Book Publishing Royalty 
KDB book oh, publishing royalties, shit. Australia book publishing royalties, UK book publishing royalties, Germany. I'm like, wow. I'm looking at the amounts, so all the amounts came in. Right. I was like, wow. And I was like, I'm going to do a concert. I'm going to say, I'm going to use this money and, and put a show, do a show together. Flipped it. Come along, Jan, what was it, July 1st? Uh-huh. Come along July 1st when marijuana is legal. Yes. I was like, okay, now we're going <laughs> to do a show with a cannabis thing and we're going to call it Cannafest. Right? I've been to a Cannafest over in Europe before um, in, 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 in Amsterdam when I was in, living over there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a, um, it wasn't like the National Cannabis Convention in, in D.C. It was kind of different that it was uh, more like a seminar mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. had concerts and they had like educational Panels pieces and stuff. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of model it like that. And when I found out that the, the name was available for trademark in the United States, oh. I secured the trademark on ASAP. the name ASAP. And I, I started marketing the first event. So it was 72 days between the time I came up with yeah. the idea to do Canifest to the time it actually manifested at the at the Virginia Beach Convention what? Center. 72 and I, days? 72 days from July 1st. July 1st is when they changed the right. law. I didn't had a I didn't had an idea right on July first. I had the idea a few, few days, days later, uh-huh, uh-huh. around the third or the fourth. But between oh July fourth and September nineteenth, when I had the event, it was seventy two days. Shit. So yeah, and that was what that was like initially having it rejected from um, Langley Raceway. Mm-hmm. I had I, I filed a lawsuit against them because they breached the contract. They went into a contract with me and allowed me to rent the raceway and put a deposit on the raceway. But then when they found out the name of the event was Canifest, the owner was like on some, um, I want to maintain a, clo- a wholesome image oh, for my wow. racetrack. So he kicked me out. I was like, what if I change the name? Um, I don't want that kind of stuff in here. It's so too late for him. They breached their contract. So I have a lawsuit pending against Uh-oh. them in Hampton. We go to court in December. Um, so I tried to find another location, and that became a problem. Hampton Coliseum was, was open, mm-hmm. but it wasn't open because... I couldn't do it in the building. If I was to do it at Hampton Coliseum, it would have had to been in the parking lot because of COVID and right, they, they right. didn't have the staff. So I had to do this long application process with the city of Hampton. And then um, Mr. Battle, um, Paul Battle, the, the executive producer Battle. of BME, yep. he was like, I got 40 acres out in Suffolk. <laughs> you could just use my shit and do it out there. Ain't, can't nobody tell you nothing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So we was gonna <laughs> we was gonna turn his his forty acre farm into a um a concert field, Bro. but the city of Suffolk was like that street can't hold that amount of traffic, <laughs> so Suffolk <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> so I came to Portsmouth. I was like, okay, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a um appointed official in the city of Portsmouth on the Economic Development Authority. Right. The homeboys are um. City council, other homeboys of city council, right. other homeboys of city. I know all of the everybody in the city council at Portsmouth, right. right? Right. It didn't make it past the parks and recreation guy. Mm. He was like, "You can't do this here. Everybody, how, how you gonna stop everybody from smoking?" I said, "I'm not gonna stop everybody from smoking." <laughs> so they had yeah. misconnotations about it already. They was like, "It's gonna turn into reefer madness," <laughs> right? So then I went out to good old Virginia Beach, and it was like, sure, yeah, we have, yeah, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> and all your money, too. Facts. 
Okay. It's high to do an event in Virginia Beach. It costs a lot of money to do a event in Virginia Beach, but it came out. It came out good. Perfect. And and the and the crazy thing about it is the book that financed it, this event, kind of the book, don't leave eight years of working with Teddy Riley, Black Street, and Future Recording Studios. Mm. When I first started doing Counterfest, the initial artist I was going to get was Redman and Method Man. Facts. Had them on board, but they had movie commitments, so it was like touch and go with them. Right. Then it was finally a no with them. Right. Once we couldn't get the venue locked up. So then I had George Clinton and Bootsy Collins. Then Ooh, they had a COVID, that, uh, COVID issue come up too. with them. Yeah, had a COVID issue come up with them. Dang. It wasn't touring no more. That eventually ended up with Black Street. So it came like kind of full circle that Facts. I wrote a book about Black Street. I made enough money off that book to actually book Black Street. And then... And then in the Virginia Beach, the same area where they shot motherfucking Rump Shaker. Right. Uh, and, and it was on the, 20, the 25th anniversary of that <laughs> album. So I got the mayor, shout out Mayor Bobby Dyer of Virginia Beach. And I don't think y'all toxic. It's just some of the people out there. But Virginia Beach, mayor gave um, Black Street the key to the city and proclaimed... September 19th, Black Street Day in the city of Virginia Beach. So that was wow. cool. That all happened at the event. Wow. And I had I had some I had I had a couple assholes come to the event that were um intended on ruining. I thought I think they were the feds for real. Right. I think I think right. they were the feds because <laughs> the way they was acting, you know, you know, you know you can't smoke of course. A, a vape. You can't even vape in public some places. Right. So you think they're gonna let you smoke weed inside the Virginia Beach Convention Center? Hey. Oh, no. Right, so I had people like you can't even smoke weed in the building. I want a refund. I can't give you no refunds, but I could give you my regrets. <laughs> <laughs> so you are also um, preparing for Canifest next year. Canifest two. Yep, uh, for twenty twenty two. Correct. Twenty twenty two. I got a couple nice. places lined up right now. I haven't locked the venue in. I don't want to talk too much about it. All right. We're trying to get a, a major artist again. Mm-hmm. But um, this time, shout out to Senator Louise Lucas. Shout out. I can't express it enough. Say it again. Shout out to Senator Louise Lucas. She's the one who helped author the law to pass, um, to get cannabis made legal in Virginia. Oh. Had an opportunity to talk to her. And she said when she goes back in session, she's going to try to move the timeline up on some of the things that they were trying to get accomplished by 2024. Right. She's going to try to move the timeline up and get them accomplished even earlier. So, again, shout okay. out to Silence Louise Lucas. Shout out. And um, we're working on Canifest 420. Yes. And then um, last— But before then, let me hit you up. Before then, before Canifest 420 comes up, I do got this other event that, that's coming up called the Black Hair and Wellness Expo 2022. It's happening January 8th at the Chesapeake Conference Center in Chesapeake, Virginia. So what it's like is like you you remember they used to have the um Bonner yes. Brother hair shows in LA <laughs> and, and Atlanta. Yep. So I'm trying to bring that atmosphere here to Virginia, you know, after out into a new year. Mm-hmm. You know, new year, new you, new do. I know that's right. <laughs> Say that one more time. A new year, a new, new you, and new, new do for twenty twenty two. So you could come out there. We're gonna have like the best stylists in the area. I'm gonna have up to three models each competing on runway show style, a runway style competition. Mm-hmm. We'll have um, health and wellness gurus and experts out there giving tips and advice to people. Okay, it'll be vendors on site, okay. and um, 
the winning the winning um stylist will receive a thousand dollars cash prize and a trip for two to U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm. All expense paid trip for two to U.S. Virgin Islands. So, okay. And where the, to, where can they get that information at? For that information, they can log on to www.blackhairexpoda.com. Blackhairexpoda.com. And then, um, last but not least, is your indie films that you have coming out. Or yes. Have... <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's yes. get to it. Uh, Towel Man and Cutting Heads. I'm Towel Man for last. We're okay. Cutting Heads. Cutting Heads. I saw the preview of it. Um, give me just a moment. Go ahead. Cutting Heads is a, is a film that I wrote a long time ago. And I just, it took me five years to make this movie. Between people getting locked up, going to jail, <laughs> dropping out, um, you know, a bunch of a bunch of personal problems. It actually took five years to complete the production of this movie, and then after the five years it took to pro- complete the production of it, it probably took another two years to complete the distribution to make it eligible for distribution, as far as like licensing, closed captioning, and 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 such. Okay. So, cut. So, what was it based off of? Cutting heads. It's based off of two two guys growing up, two guys around the same age group. Um, one is just released from from prison, and one is a college student, and they find common ground working in this barbershop. They're both dope hair hair um, barbers. They find common ground working in this barbershop, and they kind of rejuvenate this old dilapidated barbershop, bring the customers back in. The business is booming, but the guy who just got out of jail, he kind of like reverts to the street, and he using a barbershop as a front to sell drugs out of. Mm. So it kind of like clash, they clash from there, you know, and things go south from there. And that and is that available now or is that? Um... That's available now. Okay. And where, rent... the, where can you find that? It's find it's it. on um, Apple TV, Fire Stick TV, and Roku TV through the Vimeo channel, B-I-M-E-O channel. And then let's get in. If you got a subscription, okay. you, excuse me, if you got a subscription, you can watch it for free. Otherwise, it's a dollar ninety nine to rent for three days or five ninety nine and you could buy it and own it and watch it whatever as many times as you want to. It's a lot of a lot of local artists in this um that first film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of local a, a lot of local artists in it. It's um a lot of local actors in it. All first time or you know, unknown actors, amateurs. but they well, really pulled off amateurs, a yeah. really pulled off a great job. And then um, let's get to Towel Man. The Towel Man. <laughs> the Towel Man is the Towel Man is a ver- is in contrast <laughs> contrasting in the time that it took me to shoot um, cutting heads. Towel mm-hmm. Man was a was a piece of cake. Uh. I, it took about three months to do the whole project. Wow! And um, it was a much smaller cast. But it's based on the true stories that happened in in Portsmouth. So I was I was riding in the car with my associate producer, um, Fred Rebane Mitchell. Shout out, Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. Riding in the car with him one day, and um, we were talking about we saw a guy run down the street with a towel in his head, and we started re- reliving. You remember the towel man? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and then everybody had like different stories about the towel man. Like he's a he's a fable. Like right. you know, everybody got different stories about him. Um. So we were still talking about it when we went into the office and Mr. Battle was sitting there 
And he's like, the towel man. I know the motherfucking towel man. <laughs> and then he started telling us his story about the towel man. And then other 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 uh, OG Pop Murray was like, no, 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 towel man, so and so. I was like, nobody know who this motherfucker is. Right. But they got like, a story about. They got him. a story about him. But the only thing everybody had in common is the stories like he was a serial rapist, but certain women was like inviting him. To, to rape them. It was like they'll leave their window <gasps> open knowing that he in the area. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so it was like, that was the, and then nobody know whether he got killed. Nobody know whether he went to jail. Some people say he just moved away. Right. You know they what don't know. Oh, my So God. the movie, in the movie, we, we, we kind of like touch on like the, the spooky parts of it. Like, I always thought, I always thought it was like a boogeyman type right, character. Right, right, right. Until I heard these stories from other people. So um, in the movie, we kind of like, we kind of like humanize him until a certain point where we he he turns into more like a a, a Candyman Boogeyman type character. Right, so, right. Wow. But it's good, and again, it's it's it's, it's all based local. On true story. All local actors. Um, I did all of the music for this one. All of the soundtrack, the scary music, and all of the soundtrack music. Wow. Sprague did a, Sprague did a song. Um, Sprague once again. Stroke did a song with Rob J, and then my Shut daughter, my daughter Danny the Unicorn, did a song. Oh my gosh! But how was that? How was that feeling? It's great. It's, I love it. I love it. Everybody's every, oh, the music fits perfect to every scene. It's it's a dope movie. It's a very hood movie. And like I said, it's, these movies are shot on not even a small budget. You gotta call these these movies. <laughs> this shit shot on what you call a micro budget. All right. Calling up favors, a you micro like, budget. Hey, but hey, hey. I do it. It's a lot of DYI. Yeah, do it yourself. Yes, sir, ski. Uh, but um, all of the actors got paid. All of the actors and the actresses That's got paid. Nice. All of the staff, all of the people who helped me work cameras or helped me do anything. Everybody got paid except for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you get. <laughs> but the it's coming. Back. I ain't yeah. worried. I ain't worried about you it because the now they now they out and published. Yeah, I see the bigger picture. Now they out and published for perpetuity. I might log in to get a a, 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 um, a routing number one day for, for something and see some money from the fucking tower man in my account. So it's all good. I know. <laughs> it's all good. So are, do you see yourself making, of course, more films? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a, I got a couple more film ideas in mind, but I, the, the one, my pet project, I, I need at least a quarter million dollars to start on it. No, it's this not even a a movie that I want to fuck around with on my own. It's like some real, gotta have real actors in it. I want real actors. I want a real, you know, I want a, a better production on on an overall scale. You see it, uh, yeah. a vision, a different vision. Right. So, like, it. if I say if I could get these two done on the micro budget for a quarter million for two hundred fifty thousand, I know I could get a, a nice project done. Of course, so, and it's and it's gonna be based in in the Virginia area. I like to keep everything based oh, here. That's okay. why I call Understood. my company Invasion N V A S I O N Invasion Films. So, it's, you know, Invasion. Okay. Virginia, everything in Virginia. All right, so is there anything that you would like to leave the culture or this thing called entertainment today? Because we're going to come um, to an end here shortly. Um, I'm not trying to make no marks or nothing like that. I just I just want, like, good music is going to stand out. I just like good music. It ain't even got to be hip-hop. It ain't even got to be R&B. I just like good, wholesome music to return to entertainment because if you realize how influential music is on people's minds 
it has a lot to do with people's behavior nowadays. So the, the violence that you hear in the music, it translates to real life right now. Right. Right. So I, I think, if anything, entertainers be a little more responsible and leave more, um, leave better messages behind. Like, it's some crazy shit in music Ooh, now. Yeah. Like, I, crazy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And with that being said, we are going to move on to our top five. And then you already gave us exclusive access uh, <laughs> with the whole Michael Jackson story. <laughs> that was crazy. And then we're going to go to um, our shout out social media last words. And last but not least, which is the question of the day. So top five is top five strands you live for. Top five strands I live for. Mm-hmm. Ooh, in any particular order. Any particular order, however you want to do it. Okay, um, number five, I'm going to say gumbo. Four, Northern Lights. Okay. Number two, I'm going to say um, Bruce Banner. Number two, probably any any variety of skunk. And then number one strand that I smoked should have me stuck in the airport for hours <laughs> in L.A., with some gelato. Gelato. <laughs> okay. Top five interviews you've done with BME Presents. People that I've interviewed? Um, yes. Um. Ooh, that's a good one. I interviewed a lot of people. Um, George Clinton, number one. George Clinton was my number one interview with BME Presents. I was, I'm a fan of George Clinton, and I was looking forward to do that. Um, R. Kelly, that was funny as hell. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> what? R. Kelly, hey yo, the church lady got. I ain't gonna call her name on the, on the, on your podcast, but I'm gonna just call her the church lady. She used to have a a, a a radio program. She came backstage and and thought R. Kelly was gonna accept her as one of his um, groupies for the night, and he told her to keep it stepping, and I bust out laughing. <laughs> She unfriended me from Facebook that same night. <laughs> she blocked me and all kinds of shit. I was I could not stop laughing. <laughs> all right, and then I would say number three would be No Malice, Gene. Okay. That's my I, homie. I have to give him a Malice, No Malice, Gene. Um... Those three, four, I'm going to say Jason Skinner, Jason Skizzle from Virginia Beach. I like that dude. And number five, number five, number five is going to be um, Demetria. Oh, she's really, really dope. I like her. I really, really like her energy. Yeah, she's um, fun. And last one is top five moments in your career. Top five moments in my career. Definitely one, number one was... um. Interacting with Michael Jackson. It's more than meeting with him because I had an actual chance to interact with him. So interacting with Michael Jackson. Um, number two, I'm going to clump all four of them together with my kids being born. Okay. Because they were born and they actually had an influence on my aspects of my career. Each one of their births had an influence on aspects of my career. Um, number three. Damn. Um, cashing the check for my own label. 
like leaving leaving be leaving future and being able to make right. eighty grand the, the first year I left there off a project that I made in my living room and put out on my own through disc makers and just drove around and passed out and sold CDs out the trunk of the car and gave it to a bunch of people. I gave my homeboy Darkwing a thousand CDs to sell me to sell when he was he's a t shirt seller. Mm-hmm. I gave him a thousand CDs to take out of town to sell with him. He told me he got robbed. <laughs> They ain't take your T-shirts. They just took my CDs, though, Darkwing. I ain't forgot that yet. <laughs> hot and so hot and hot. hot. Okay. <laughs> okay, you got two. Got two more, two. More. You gotta give me the question again. Darkwing just got me messed up. I still. <laughs> My CDs. <laughs> Top five moments in your career. Okay. You're at number three, so you got two more. <laughs> Top five moments. Um, working with Salt and Pepper. The whole experience of working with them, all of the award shows and TV shows I got to go on as a result of working with them, and then um, of course managing Future. Managing Future Recording Studios. Everybody came through there. I had the chance to, you know, interact with everybody. There was everybody that came through there came through me. Money, the money that they had to pay to be there came through me. So I was, I was in all the business. <laughs> <laughs> you can't deny it. Right. right. I know that's right. So let's push forward to our last but not least shout out social media and last words. And I have one final question. Okay. Shout out um, my homie Sprague Doogie, my future recording studio brothers, Tim Smith, Junior Mayors. Um, everybody, if I forget your name, you, I'm going to just lump y'all together. I'm high right now. This is good <laughs> weed I'm smoking. And, um, yeah, shout out mom. Shout out my kids. Um, that's it. Um, um, the last but not least question of the day is... Oh, shout out my sister. She just got to Virginia tonight. Tonight, so oh, I'll pull this up on the podcast later on. Yes, got uh, a shout out, Rosibella. And what bothers you about the industry, and what would you think you could do to help fix that or add to helping to fix that? What bothers me about the industry right now, I think, is sat is oversaturated, but um. And it's too easy to break into the industry. Like people letting themselves into the industry at a point where you had to have, it used to be gatekeepers and people had to invest in you and you used to have to get in that way. But it's saturated now because you can let yourself in. And by being saturated, it's hard to like identify quality content. There's so much you got to go through. It's like that big box of CDs that was in the back of, I mean, the big box of cassette tapes. It was in the back of um, Future Recording Studios when I first started working there. That's how the internet mm-hmm. is now. You you got to go through a bunch of shit to find what you need good. If it ain't being programmed to you on radio, buy a corporate label, and you're just trying to search for raw, independent talent, it's super saturated on the internet. So I, would, I just wish it was some way for artists to like um, stand out in person a little more, and 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 that helps them too. Because when you get to a point where you're touring, 
and people paying you for your performances and paying to come see you, and you making you making money off the songs that you made. Um, you, artists not making no money off songs with, that they make now. You know how many streams you got to get to make um, thirty dollars now? You got to get a million, a million, a million streams. A million streams is like on Spotify is like three hundred something dollars, right? And then when you split that between the artist and the producer, you got a hundred and something, hundred and fifty, hundred something dollars a piece, right? Hundred seventy some dollars a piece, and then if you got more than one writer on the song, you got to split that between every writer, and it just comes down. So it don't mean nothing to have a million streams like it did to have a million sales, right? Or it don't have nothing to have to have a million sales, physical products from a from a a major label, like having ten thousand of your own physical products that you could really distribute and benefit from. Yeah. So that's what's been taken away from the industry that I, I think. Is, is missing now. People are talking about this NFT, non fungible tokens. Uh, yeah, I've, seen, I've been hearing a lot about. That. If it's digital, you can be able to copy it. So <laughs> I don't know how long that's gonna last either. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> well, y'all heard it here first. Um, is there any last words that you want to leave um to our friends here on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of the social media platforms? Is there anything that you want to advice that you want to leave before we get up out of here? Communicate. A lot of violence and a lot of um, intolerance could be corrected by just some proper communication. And that's the main thing, communicate. You know, be able to communicate with each other instead of just pulling guns out on each other and shooting at each other. And if you could communicate a message to um, Clarence Neely, tell him I want my money. Don't pull out on him, just communicate to him. Well, uh, make sure you guys follow me on Instagram, M-I-S-S Hollywood 313. I told you I was going to get that in there. <laughs> you didn't ask me about it, but I was going to get it in there. Most South Records. Well, Hollywood, the podcast, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this page. And if you want to be a guest, DM me or send me a message www.allofhollywood.biz. And we out this thing. And I want to have you host see me one time. Oh, yes. I would love to. Y'all got it on camera. Yes, host. All right, y'all. Yes. Follow. Oh, don't say your Instagram. Follow you. I'm going to follow you because it's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Y'all this thing, y'all.
To be a guest on So Hollywood the Podcast, just email So Hollywood the Podcast at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram, So Hollywood the Podcast and M I S S Hollywood 313. Looking to book your next studio session? Contact Session 420 at www.greenleafgang.com.